What is up, everybody? Welcome to another week, another episode. Court is in session. Convince me. Uh, one more time, as always, I am Andy Rutherford, joined by Mr. Brian Bennett, our mediator tonight, and Mr. Casey Elrod, our loser tonight. Gentlemen, how's oh. it going? Oh. What's up? How's it this, going? Depending on how this goes, this could be our last show tonight. This could turn ugly. This could be your last day, because tomorrow may never come for you if things <laughs> keep going. Oh, there's always time to go to Cheyenne. There's always time to go to Cheyenne. There has been heated conversation before we hit record tonight, so this could get ugly. Uh, and I apologize if I offend anybody watching except for Elrod. Uh, but before we get into it, um, we're going to do our shield. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us. It's Tuesday night. Uh, we are now on every major podcast platform. Uh, you guys are killing it. Our first video we did on here did like 300-something views. Last week's episode of Rock in Austin did like nearly 9,000 views, uh, which is insane. Guys, help us out. Check out the podcast, wherever you check it out. Start it. I understand if you watch this, you don't want to listen to us again, but start it so it gives us a play because that means we get more money. Uh, we'd like to be able to cover more advertising to be able to bring this show to more people. So Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. By the time you're seeing this, we should be on all those. And we are on all of and them. And ghost teams. Do what? Ghost teams. The ghost oh, you gonna bring, teams. You gonna bring that one out? You wanna bring that one out? I got a counter. I got a counter for any punch you're gonna throw tonight. But go <laughs> to uh, your favorite podcasting platform. Check us out. Uh, also, our YouTube page is alive, and all of our past episodes uh, should be up by the time you watch this. Uh, we're gonna be putting each week's episode up the following Tuesday. Uh, earlier in the day. So last week's Austin Rock episode should have been dropped as of today when you're watching this. Uh, I know all the other ones are up there. So go show us some love over there too. Subscribe, view, like, tell people we're awesome even if you don't think we are. It's just a little white line. Forrest Gump's mama said a little white line never hurt nobody. Uh, so uh, Bennett, you are the mediator. Do you kind of want to introduce the topic? Because I have a feeling I'll start yelling at him now. If I start <laughs> to introduce the topic. Yeah, I can introduce the topic. Um, the topic for tonight, as Rod alluded to, could get a little heated. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. But I feel like it will. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of gentlemen who... I would say had pretty decent careers in the music industry. Uh, both of these guys, pretty, pretty talented, got a few hits on them. Um, we're going to talk about which one of these guys, though, is better. And that is George Strait versus Garth Brooks. Oh, look, so he's got the hat. He's ready. He's got the shirt. He probably has the underwear to the match. Got the tattoo on my rear end. Thing is, we, nobody knows if that's true or not. We can find out. Show us. No, don't show us. 
right, guys. Tonight, I figured how we could figure out who goes first by a little, a little fun little method here. Okay. Elrod, I'm going to let you answer this one first. I'm going to give okay. you the first shot. Okay. Okay. Garth Brooks had a double live album, debuted in November 98, and it mm -hmm. debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. How many total songs are on that two disc album? Oh, wait a minute. This is, this is a setup. He's going to know this. In fairness, I knew this before I did any research for the show. Okay, 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 okay. I had to figure this would happen. Whoa, <laughs> time out, rewind. Forget I said anything. On that same album, how many minutes and seconds total are the two discs combined? How many seconds? How many minutes and seconds? So it would be blank minutes yeah. and blank seconds. 129 minutes and 47 seconds. Okay, I'm here. 129 and what? 46. 46. Sir Rutt. What was your guess, Elrod? 129.46. So you're going to price is right, man. I know you are. <laughs> no, I, he knows I that he's just playing it off. I'll give a legit guess. I'm going to say 96 minutes, 17 seconds. Total is 100 minutes, 11 seconds. Whoa! Rudd, you are extremely close. Mm, he probably has it like in the background there. He probably did. He probably just ticked it down a couple of, min couple of minutes to make it sound like he just guessed. Yeah. That oh. album was my Christmas present the year it came out. I remember that, and I listened to it for like three years straight. But anyway, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to defer. I'm going to let douchebag go first. Oh, oh. hey, this is a family friendly show. Can, can we use that language? Good. We're good. All right, Mr. Arod. We know that George Strait and Garth Brooks are certainly two of the biggest names in country music history. But why don't you tell me a little bit about George Strait? Well, if there was a Mount Rushmore for country music, these two guys are on it. Or my Mount Rushmore. This is tough. I'm a big Garth Brooks fan, as Mr. Rutherford is going to bring out tonight, probably. I'm a huge Garth fan. <laughs> Here's why, though, George Strait's better. 60 number one hits, which we'll talk about tonight. We can talk about all the 60 number one hits. Show could be going on five hours or more. I don't think you want to be here five hours. 60 number one hits. Bennett, when I say someone is the king of a sport or an industry, what does that mean to you? That someone does is the it king. Matter what you mean? <laughs> Sorry, wrong episode. Wrong Gosh. episode. Sorry. Wrong episode. What does that mean to you? Someone's the king. The king? I mean like Elvis Presley? Like the, yeah, Elvis the king, Presley. The king of rock and rock. roll. King of rock and roll. King what about the, the king of pop? Michael Jackson? Huh? 
What about Richard Petty and NASCAR, the king? Ooh, I like Richard Petty. But maybe not Burger King, okay, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. Not Burger King. George Strait is better than Garth for these reasons right here. He was more consistent than Garth Brooks. Over 31 years of active service in country music. No interruptions. The longevity. The two main reasons I'll discuss tonight that George Strait is better are it's the influence that George Strait had on country music. And it's also the fact that George Strait saved traditional country music in the early 80s. And we'll talk more about that later on. But he saved country music as we know it today. It was going pop. He brought it back to those traditional country roots. We'll talk more about that. I love Garth, but when you look at the statistics, when you look at just the influence and the very fact that Garth Brooks says that George Strait is the one that he wanted to grow up to be, and he is the king. Even Garth Brooks admits that he's the king of country music. George Strait, better than Garth. It's not by much, but we'll talk more about that tonight. Interesting. Come out with the big guns. Right, what do you got to say? What about Garth? You know, you could believe everything that Mr. Elrod just told you in his opening statement. He could also tell you that he has some oceanfront property in Arizona. And they would all be just as true and viable and available. Mr. Elrod, what do they call LeBron James? They call LeBron James the king, King LeBron. Is LeBron James, in your opinion, the greatest basketball player to ever play? You want to compare LeBron James to George Strait? That's going to get you a win. No, you said if they call him the king, <laughs> then he must be the best. They call LeBron James the king, and I have a strong feeling that of the three of us here, none of the three of us would think that he's the best. Listen, I will take no shots. I'll take plenty of shots at you, but I won't take no shots at George Strait tonight because George Strait is country music royalty. And he should is and should be on everybody, especially those our age that weren't around for, for Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard in their heyday. For our generations, he better be on your Mount Rushmore. George Strait is royalty but he's not the goat mm. there's only one goat and listen george Strait redefined country music he brought it back to its roots that's great but garth brooks took country music and took it to people that had never even gave country music a thought he surpassed genres he rose above any limitation that country music had on it, any stigma that country music had on it. He put country music on the map to people that would have never heard it before. Honestly, I don't think there's any question that Garth Brooks is the greatest country music singer to ever grace this earth. And there's an argument to be made. He's the greatest entertainer in any genre ever. And that's my firm and true belief. And I, tonight, will show you just that. 
Elrod, I love George Strait. George Strait is, is fantastic. He's he's an A player, but he's not A plus. Mm. This should be the easiest argument I've ever had on this show. Ooh. And if I lose tonight, I'm going to retire from the show to go raise my kids. Are you going? Uh, I'll get to that later. But Bennett, there's one thing I wanted to do before you started off tonight. Okay. I'm giving you an option to check oh, yesterday. Oh, that's funny. Oh, ho, ho. that's great. Oh, I, I found a checklist today, too. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Oh. I found a checklist today, too. Wow. Oh, my was, goodness. That, that was leaked that I allowed him to do that. It was Actually, leaked. that was not leaked. That's called knowing your moves, counterpunch. Keep coming. Well done. Wow. Well done. I like the props, though. Let's keep the props going. No, That's the, the only one I going. had, unfortunately. Oh, no. Okay. It's okay. All right. All right. Yep. Both of y'all said that y'all's guy is the greatest. Mm hmm That's stuff for debate tonight. But what we do know right now is both of these guys are definitely legends in country music. But... A legend has to start somewhere. So tell me where George Strait kind of broke into country music. Well, George Strait, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. He's 68 years old. He's born in 1952. Uh, he, he comes from a family of cattle farmers in South Central Texas. Uh, his father was a, a mathematician in a local high school. Um, interesting thing about him and this is going to be key to understanding George Strait. His mother basically abandoned the family. Uh, they got a divorce. His mother moved away. He was raised by his dad. Um, when, um, when he got to high school, he fell in love with Norma, who he married. He's been his wife. He's never divorced. He's been uh, married to her ever since. Um, He always, George Strait idolized the Beatles growing up. That was a big influence for him. He also idolized Frank Sinatra. He loved uh, the ability for someone to get on a stage, to be captivated, and to sing. No gimmicks, no frills. That's what he liked. Um, as, as he progresses through high school, he decides he wants to join the Army. He joins the Army in 71. Um, he's in there a few years. He, um, George, he goes and uh, there was a band called uh, the Stony Ridge Band. And it was a touring band in Texas. And they needed a lead singer. He joins up with them. He renames the band the Ace in the Whole Band. The Ace in the Whole Band was the band that was with him his entire career from the start. Uh, one thing that Garth and George have in common is this. They're loyal to their their members. A, a lot of bands, a lot of musicians, they're not loyal at all. Uh, if you look at uh, Garth's people, they most of those people have been with him since the early 90s. The eight, the uh, Five members of George Strait's band have been with him since 1975. So he is committed to his band, his steel guitarist, his bass, 
his keyboardist, his lead guitarist, all been with him since the beginning. So he, he goes to college. He goes to uh, Texas State, and uh, he starts touring around Texas. Uh, there was a man by the name of uh, Woosley who used to be a uh, a uh, record. Uh, he was working for MCA Records in Nashville. He comes and sees him. He really likes him. He goes off to Nashville and, and tells record executives in Nashville, you have to see this guy. They come down to Texas. They say, well, we like this guy, but country music is going. This is early 80s, mind you. He doesn't fit the pop nature that country music is trending to. It, it doesn't fit. If you look at artists such as uh, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, all of these artists are getting old by this time, and th there remains a there remains some there remains a void, if you will, of a traditional country singer. George Strait is not a pop guy. He is a traditional country guy. So he goes to Nashville. He tries to get a recording contract. He's rejected seven times in Nashville. He goes back and he says, you know, I'm just going to become a, I'm going to become a, a kettle farmer. He quits. That was until uh, the, the guy that he met in the bar, Mr. Woosley, brought uh, records executives out there. They gave him the option uh, of one, a one-time deal, a single, and that song was Unwound. Unwound from there, he blows up. So he was rejected. He came back. He has that one single, and the rest is history. Interesting. All right, Rudd, tell me a little bit about Garth and how he broke into country music. Well, Garth, also from Simple Beginnings, not Texas, but Oklahoma. Uh, his mother was actually uh, a singer, a performer, who basically gave it up uh, to raise him and his siblings, which turns out to be a Brooks family tradition, uh, as we'll see later on. But uh, Garth went to Oklahoma State on a uh, track and field scholarship. Uh, he was a javelin thrower, so he wasn't out running around, but he could throw things. Um, went to Oklahoma State, always wanted to be a musician, uh, but his dad made him go to college. Uh, so while he's in college, he starts playing the bar scene uh, in Stillwater and kind of becomes a big sensation in Stillwater. Uh, as far as a local guy can be, he becomes a pretty big deal uh, in Stillwater, playing in the bars, uh, playing some songs he wrote, playing some of his heroes, which, yes, include George Strait, but also include James Taylor, Bob Seger. He had an Elton John, Billy Joel. He had a, a wide variety of musical tastes, and he could play them all. He incorporated them all. He wore a cowboy hat. He's playing country music, but he had something more to him. He wasn't just drawing uh, from the country, although that's mostly what he did. He did do a lot of covers of your James Taylors and your Billy Joels and your Bob Seekers. Uh, so the people he was playing to, people he was working with, had so much faith in him. They raised money 
and gave him money to go to Nashville, Tennessee, where he thought he was going to become a huge star. Uh, he gets to Nashville. He stops at ASCAP to have a meeting, and he overhears the guy he's having a meeting with talking to, to another artist, and they tell him they're going to pay him $700 for an album. And Garth admits that he had no idea how it all worked. He thought you went to Nashville, you sounded good, you got a million dollar record deal right off the front. Uh, he hears this $700 and he said, well, that I didn't, he didn't know that's how it worked. And he told the guy at ASCAP, he said, I'm making $700 a week playing bars in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And the guy told him, if you're making $700 a week making music, I would suggest keep doing what you're doing. So less than 24 hours after packing up everything he had and moving to Nashville, he turned around and went right back to Stillwater because he wasn't ready. He went home, got married to his first wife, ends up coming back to Nashville, and much like George Strait, went to all seven different record companies, and all seven of them told him no. But what would seem to be a theme throughout Garth Brooks' career you can hear his demo tape, you hear his music, and it's pretty good, but maybe it's not as special. It's not something that jumps out to you. But he was playing the songwriter's night at the Bluebird Cafe when a guy that was his manager, became his manager for many years, Bob Doyle, heard him and decided to start his, his own company, and he was going to manage Garth Brooks. And he's actually the one that took him to all seven of those record companies that told him no. And then one night, also at the famous Nashville Bluebird Cafe, Garth was just there, hanging out, and somebody no-showed. And they asked Garth if he could fill in. He said, absolutely. Little did he know, there was a couple record company representatives there that night man from Capitol Records came over to his manager after Garth got through and said, I think we missed something. Bring him by Monday morning. Monday morning, Garth Brooks went to Capitol Records and was given a record deal on the same record label uh, as the Beatles, as his mother had been on. Um, and from there, he finally started to get it together. Talk about being at the right place at the right time. Amen. Like destiny right there. All right. We talked a little bit about these two gentlemen and how they kind of got their introduction into country music. Now we talked about how they broke in. Now let's talk about how they broke out. And what I mean by that is what was their breakout single that put these guys on the map? Well, we'll start with you. You know, it's really hard to narrow it down with Garth as, as to what single was his breakout. Um, his very first single he released, Much Too Young, uh, hit went to number eight on the charts, uh, which for your first song, not that bad. Um, second song he released from his first album, If Tomorrow Never Comes, or no, that was the third song he released. But that became his first number one hit, If Tomorrow Never Comes. But I still have trouble. Maybe that was what put him on the map. But I think really his breakout was the last single off that first album was The Dance. 
uh, a song he almost didn't re release as a single. He didn't think it was country enough. And someone told him, if you don't release that song, it'll be the biggest hit you didn't have. Uh, he releases the dance uh, and it becomes a sensation. It got everybody thinking that this guy's going to be a major player. And he has said that he knew at that point his next single he released had to be killer or he was just going to fall straight off. Of course, the next single he releases is the first single off his new album, uh, a little ditty called Friends in Low Places, uh, which kind of took off. But I would say the actual breakout uh, would be the dance. All right by George Strait. Yeah, I think that we had touched on this earlier, but the breakout for George Strait has to be Unwound. Unwound was, if you compare the deal that he had for Unwound, basically it was a make it or break it type of deal. They said, if this thing is successful, you'll have more singles. If it's not, you're done. So it kind of had to be. Unwound, If you, when you listen to it, it sounds like a, it sounds like a George Jones song. It's got that crying still guitar sound that you hear in those 50s and 60s country songs. Uh, and this was kind of kind of weird for the time because country had made a pop turn. You just had, uh, you had uh, some movies that come out that glorified the pop country. Uh, or uh, Just people were tired for the most part of these older country singers. George Strait was new, but he was also kind of old like it had that old sound but a new a new twist if you will unwound did not hit number one it was number six there was a, two other songs on that first album that didn't do quite as well actually unwound was supposed to be a johnny paycheck song the problem was johnny paycheck was in jail when the song was being presented uh garth brooks uh, tells a story in the new documentary on netflix about how he was, I think, somewhere around Stillwater in a, in a truck, and he's listening to the radio, and it comes up, DJ comes on and says, you know, we've got this new guy from Texas. We think you're going to like him. It's George Strait. It's unwound. And Garth credits this song as giving him direction on what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. He wanted to be George Strait from that moment, from hearing that song. Uh, his second album, Based on the success of Straight Country and those three songs, Straight Country, or, yeah, uh, Straight from the Heart was a second album, and it featured his first number one hit, uh, Full Hearted Memory. Uh, Amarillo by Morning was also on the second album. Now, I didn't know a whole lot about George Strait, about his background growing up and his hits uh, back in high school, and I purchased the 50 uh, number one hits. He had 50 number one hits when I was in high school. And I love Amarillo by Morning. One of the things that's interesting about George Strait is the hits that you are accustomed to knowing, like Amarillo by Morning, were not one of his 60 number one hits. So it was not on the album. I was enraged because it wasn't on the album. But definitely Amarillo by Morning, Full Hearted Memory, were probably the breakout singles, even though Unwound introduced him to the national scene. Uh, those two songs put him on the trajectory going forward. So I would say a trio of the songs, Unwound, and then 
full-hearted memory and, and Emeril about morning set him apart and set him um, for a really good run in the 80s. All right. Um, so next topic is something that both have quite a few of, but real briefly, I'll right, touch on some of George Strait's biggest hits throughout the years. Lord, if I do this, we'll be here in the morning. <laughs> briefly. It, it's truly amazing how, how many hits even Garth has and George Strait, he's got more, but it's just amazing how many hits these two people have put out. Um, top hits. Just look at the run in the 80s. Oceanfront property, baby blue. You look so good in love. All my exes live in Texas. Uh, does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? The chair. I cross my heart. It, this, these are later songs. Write this down. Check yes or no. Love without an amen. Carrying your love with me. West Virginia down to Tennessee. Uh, she'll leave you with a smile. Blue, blue clear sky, which was inspired by Forrest Gump. Uh, carried away one night at a time. Rap, Troubadour, give it away. I got a car. I saw God today. Newer songs. I could go on and on. He may not have that. I will. I will concede this to Andy. Of all the songs, if you, if you look at Garth Brooks songs and George Strait songs, the dance is the most iconic song between the two. I'll concede that right now. But if you look at the catalog that each of these people have. It just keeps going and going. You can list, you can turn on um, on Pandora, on the George Strait station. And if it just played George Strait, you could almost listen to all of his hits and it would take a entire day to listen to just number one hits. It's amazing. Some artists live and die to get a number one uh, song. For some, it is the culmination of their entire career. George Strait has 60 number one hits. It's not counting the other top 10 songs that he's got, which those combined with the number ones puts him right at 84 or 85. It's truly, Garth has his share too, but this is a category where George Strait frankly dominates. Fred? First of all, we have both dropped Forrest Gump references. Yes, you have. In a Garth Brooks versus George Strait debate. Hey, you know shot. the moderator. <laughs> hey, very touche. Um, and go back to, to a point Elrod made on, on the other one. It is crazy when you look at all these iconic songs that both guys have that didn't make number one. When you see they have all these number ones, Garth's notable songs that weren't number one, Rodeo. Never made number one. Papa Love Mama, not a number one. We Shall Be Free, didn't even crack the top ten. Um, That's your favorite one, right? Uh, standing Outside the Fire, not number one. Um, it's video, just crazy man. when you look at the songs that weren't number one. But as Elrod said, they've got their share of number ones. Uh, Garth has 20 number ones. If we weren't comparing him up against George Strait, that number probably holds up. Uh, 20 number ones, 37 top tens. But to show how big a star Garth Brooks was in the early 90s off those first couple albums, starting with The Dance, um, five straight number ones, 
and starting with Tomorrow Never Comes, starting with his second single he ever released, 13 of his first 16 singles he released hit number one. Now, I the fact of how many George Strait has is impressive. But to take a little bit of steam out of that, because I'm not going to just give you a straight-up point here, um, George started before Garth Brooks did. Garth Brooks went on a hiatus for 15 years. Garth got 20 number ones. He got a third of the number ones in about half the time. And even still, okay, if he doesn't leave for 15 years, he starts at the same time. Maybe he doesn't have number ones, but maybe he does. And here's why. And again, this is absolutely no disrespect to George Strait, but some of those later number ones, A, lack of competition, and B, George Strait, I made a comment several years ago to great friend of the show, Josh Mullinax. One of, what's one of the later um, George Strait number ones that came out that should not have been number one? Um, I saw God today. No, it was I got later, a car. Later than that. I got a car. No. Something mm. about a truck or something. I don't know. It was very similar to a Tim McGraw song that came out at the exact same time. The truck, yeah. No. <laughs> but I text good friend of the show, Josh Molinax, and I said, Don't disrespect. George Strait is a legend. But whatever that song was hit number one, and and I sent him a text, and I said, do you think at this point that George Strait could fart into a microphone and it would go number one? Because this song is not that good. Uh, I can't even remember what it was. But there was – George Strait had done it for so long. Some of those later number ones – were number ones because of George Strait, not necessarily because they were number one songs, which is a testament to George Strait. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think he had a status where he could inflate his numbers because <laughs> if he farted into a microphone, it probably would have went number one uh, or at least number two. <laughs> Didn't it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, I have a quick rebuttal of that. Quick rebuttal. I'll be brief. You know, I'm going to try to look up what song it was while you do that. Okay. Well, you you said that, you know, that he he could have in half the time had had as many, had a third of as many number ones. If you look at Garth in the late nineties, sevens didn't perform that well. It had two number one hits. It was not, okay. Maybe I should say this. It wasn't up to par with in pieces and and his earlier stuff. I mean, it's almost to be incredibly hard to compare those, but Sevens was meh. Chris Gaines debacle, ninety nine. Do you want to get and into then, that Chris Gaines debacle? <laughs> no, we can get into the Chris Gaines debacle. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. The Scarecrow, Scarecrow album. Not. It was a piece of. For Garth Brooks, it was a flop. So he was trending downward. I think. I don't think there was Garth fatigue, but he was nowhere near in the late nineties where he was in the early in the early nineties. At all. He was not trending upward. Uh, You still looking a song up? Do it? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out which one it was. 
What can I go next? All we got tonight. That was a not a number song. one song. It's a great song. Fart in a microphone. Okay, it's not unwound. It's not. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. No, and that's that's a testament to George Strait that he can put out songs that kind of suck and they still get number one. That's a credit to George Strait. But I'm saying the numbers are a little inflated if we're looking at quality of the song. All I'm saying. You know, you could look at it the same way like in baseball when you have a pitcher that is a very established, well-respected pitcher, and they they put one, maybe it's not exactly on the plate, but the ref still gives them the strike just because of who they are. Was hey. it a strike? No. But did they call it a strike? Yes. Kind very of the same thing. Analogy. Very accurate yeah. analogy. All right. I, for this next topic, I'm actually embarrassed to say this, but I was thinking today, and I don't ever recall owning a single George Strait album. Oh, oh. not even a cassette? No. Oh. And I think I might have had some Garth. I feel like I did. I'm pretty sure I did. But I was more of a loyal Dwight Yoakam fan. There we honestly. go. That was my guy. I was loyal to him. But luckily today, we can go back and virtually pull up any song or any album on any type of various music or podcast app, whether that be on our phone or our computer. Also, you can listen to us on any major podcast format now. On your phone or on your computer. Cheap plug. Little fun fact. Yeah, I had to. So, Elrod, if I get on my phone and I get on, I don't know, whatever kind of music format you listen to, I use Spotify. And if I search for George Strait, which albums should I be listening to? I'll talk about four of these, just real briefly. He put out 29 albums. Uh, CMT and other services rate Oceanfront Property album as the best George Strait album. It's also rated number five in history in country music. It featured three number ones. One thing that you learn when, when you look into George Strait is his albums are a, are a total failure if they don't have at least three number one hits. If three, if, if three number one hits don't come out of the album, it was a total failure. But that album featured All My Exes Live in Texas, Am I Blue, Oceanfront property. Now, my personal favorite, the one that I was really introduced uh, to George Strait by was Blue Clear Sky in 96. It also featured three number one hits, Blue Clear Sky, Carried Away, and I Can Still Make Cheyenne. Uh, Had some other ones. uh, They were not number one hits. Um, The second second album that he put out, Straight from the Heart, uh, featured uh, Full Hearted Memory, Marina Del Rey, Amarillo by morning. Now, the one I want to talk about now, in the early 90s, George Strait got a wild hair and wanted to make his own movie uh, where he didn't play himself. He played someone else. But essentially, he was playing George Strait. Dusty. Uh, Dusty Chandler. Pure Country. Pure Country was kind of a box office bust in terms of the money that was made, but it would become one of the most successful VHS tapes of the nineties. And you can still see it on cable today, uh, on a weekend. Uh, it may be on TNT or TBS, 
But Pure Country, the album for Pure Country uh, had six million copies and it became his most successful uh, album. But that that three, or there's three number one hits that came out of that, uh, Across My Heart, The Heartland, and When Did You Stop Loving Me? And, you know, Garth always tried to emulate George Strait. I won't talk about Chris Gaines and upset Andy, but you know he tried talk later about on. It. Talk he, about he, it. I, I don't dislike the songs that, on the Chris Gaines album. I don't dislike the songs. But the problem with Chris Gaines was it was going to be for a movie called The Lamb. Garth and his people really didn't do a good job of, of explaining to people what was going on. A lot of people thought, was Garth gone mad? He's gone crazy. But he was becoming an alter ego for this movie that never got released. Now, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But if you're looking at their movie ventures, Garth's movie never never made it to film because of the blowing up uh, success or lack thereof of the Chris Gaines album. But you cannot uh, doubt this success of Pure Country, the movie and the album. So check that out, too. You got anything to say about the Chris Gaines thing while we're into it? Sure do, actually. I've uh, got that pulled uh, right up here. All right, have you ever listened to the Chris Gaines album? I've heard some snippets. It's weird. It, have you listened to the album? I have, I have not listened to the whole album. I have not. As is the same with everybody that dogs it. Because if we're being completely honest, I really like the Chris Gaines album. It's a good album, and I'm not the only one. This album that was Garth Brooks has lost his mind sold over two million copies. This Chris album. It's curiosity factor. It's like what? And, and here's the thing: the movie got pulled out from in under them. The movie didn't get made, which kind of left it out there on an island. But again, it sold two million copies. It is a great record, and Chris Gaines actually did something that George Strait never did. Chris Gaines was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. So, suck on that one. Um, But if we're looking at Garth albums, this, if, if I'm trying to suggest to you where, first of all, where to go. Sorry, I know you're a Spotify guy. Like you just said, you're not going to find them on Spotify. Garth Brooks is one of the last cowboys, one of the last of a dying breed when it comes to an album. Because now the music industry as a whole is driven by singles and, and single plays and downloads of these singles. And nobody really gives a crap about an album anymore. Some artists don't even take the time to deal with an album. They just put out their singles for people to download. But Garth Brooks constructed every one of his albums in a certain way, following a Beatles philosophy, that albums are constructed a certain way because they are to be listened to in their entirety. And they are to be listened to in the order in which, you know, they're on 
the album. There was a lot of work and a lot of detail that went into his album. That's why you're not going to find Garth albums on Spotify. You're not going to find them on iTunes because he's not interested in selling singles. He's old school. It's about the album. And you can tell by the numbers that he probably did pretty well with that philosophy. 11 studio albums. 11 studio albums. Two of them. Two. His first one, self-titled Garth Brooks, and his second or his last one he put out, Gunslinger, are the only two that did not reach the top 10 on the Billboard 200. Of the studio albums, two of the 11 didn't reach the top 10 on the Billboard 200. Um, all except, um, except Gunslinger reached the top, all except for Gunslinger. Yeah, just Gunslinger. The first 10 of his 11 studio albums reached at least number two on the country charts. When I said Billboard, I'm talking all music. On the country charts, everyone except his very last one reached at least number two. Uh, I think eight of them reached number one. Uh, Rope in the Wind, his third studio album he put out, was the first country album to debut at number one on the Billboard 200. Again, covering all genres. It was the first country album to debut at number one. Uh, he's also had two compilation albums and a live album, Double Live, uh, that reached number one. Garth Brooks is the only artist to have eight of his albums hit diamond status when it comes to records sold. His self-titled went 10 times platinum. Uh, no Fences went 17 times platinum. Rope in the Wind, 14. The Chase, 10. Hits, 10. Sevens, 10. Double Live went 21 times platinum. And The Ultimate Hits also went 21 times platinum. He is the best selling solo artist in United States history, ahead of Elvis, ahead of every solo artist and every act ever except for the Beatles. Hmm. Uh, with 156 million units sold. The numbers don't lie. So, um, there was another point I was about to make there. What was it? Numbers don't lie. Brain fart on uh, on the lie. Or do the numbers lie? Oh, what you said you wanted out, or I'd tell you what album to pick. Rope in the Wind, probably the biggest success on the debut, but no fences. Um, not my favorite of his albums, but every single off that album hit number one. Uh, probably the critically acclaimed album. That's where you're going to find your friends in low places. Uh, so I would say no fences. Hmm. All right, Rudd, I'm going to stay with you here. And, uh, obviously Garth enjoyed a lot of success over the years, but tell me which awards or achievements that you would say would be the most important that he's earned. Well, he's got dang near as many as George Strait has number ones. Um, and, and I'll try to go through these as quickly as I can. 
23 Academy of Country Music Awards, not just nominated, awards. I didn't even count up how much he was nominated. Uh, but that includes 10 Entertainers of the Years and the Artist of the Decade of the 90s. 12 American Music Awards, which covers all genres, not just country, where he was named Artist of the Decade for the 90s across all genres. Uh, he's got three ASCAP awards. He's got 17 Billboard awards, including two top artists across all genres of music. Uh, two CMT Music Awards, including Entertainer of the Year. 19 CMA awards, including seven Entertainers of the Year. Uh, he was nominated for a Golden Globe. He has two Grammys. He has nine People's Choice Awards. Voted on, of course, by the people, including favorite all-time performer, uh, nominated for two Emmys, six World Music Awards. He's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and the Musicians Hall of Fame. Unlike George Strait, he is a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And just this year, 2020, he was given the Library of Congress Gershwin Prize for Popular Song and is the youngest artist to ever receive that award. He's pretty decorated, um, I must say. Right, Arrowhead, can you follow that up? I can follow that up, actually. You know, uh, Garth was the 90s uh, CME Artist of the Decade. George Strait was the 2000s, the 2009 Artist of the Decade. Um, Garth argument. Yeah, he went home voluntarily, not not against it. He went home on his own. We'll talk more about that later. An argument could be made that George Strait should have been the 80s um, artist of the decade. Even Garth Brooks said he should have been. But he ran up against a juggernaut called Alabama uh, for that, that won yeah. three Entertainer of the Year awards. But if you look at the body of work over the decade, uh, there's a good argument that George Strait should have been the 80s artist of the decade. I will say that Garth Brooks is clearly his success in the early 90s, even though George Strait was in the running for that, Garth should have won the 90s CMA artist of the decade. Uh, one thing that he's shirt. not, he's not a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And here's why. Um, it, it goes back to uh, George Strait feels kind of jaded, and he also loves Texas. If you become a memory of the Opry, you've got to commit to so many shows a year at the Opry. He he loves being on his cattle farm down there in the South Texas. So he doesn't want to commit to the shows, but there's always been this undercurrent that when you think of Texas, you think of Dallas Cowboys or you think of oil fields, but some people think of George Strait. He is Texas. So if he, if he becomes a member of the Opry, he kind of sells out. So he is not a member of the Opry. Uh, but if you look at his other accolades, uh, he is third to only Elvis and the Beatles with the most gold albums and platinum albums in the history of music. Uh, he's certified as a 12th best-selling American artist of all time with 70 uh, million records. Uh, he holds the record for most number one albums and singles, gold albums, platinum albums, multi-platinum albums in the history of country music, and is 11th when you look at other genres. Uh, he is second all-time in top 10 hits. Uh, Eddie Arnold has the most in country music with 92. Uh, he's won 22 CMA awards. He won consecutive Entertainer of the Year awards back when that award actually meant, meant something, and it wasn't watered down when he just had the best uh, concerts. When you hits 
also used to mean something, but that clearly doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, he holds uh, the same records for nominations of the ACM Awards. Uh, in 2009, he was only the second country music artist of all time to be inducted while he's actively performing and having hits. And that used to be uh, kind of the rule. You had to be retired to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. I think Garth has been inducted too while he's performing. Is that right? Has Garth been inducted? 2012. It was during his hiatus. Okay. But, but him and Eddie Arnold are the only two that were inducted while they were actively performing. I guess they just thought he was going to keep on going and going and they were never going to get the opportunity to put him in. Um, in 2010, George Strait was named the top country artist of the past 25 years, according to Billboard. Uh, he is the only artist that's ever been uh, nominated to uh, be the CME Artist of the Decade in three different decades, in the 80s, the 90s, and 2000s. Uh, his, uh, his win uh, for the Entertainer of the Year Award was the, uh, that he got in 2012 was the longest uh, span between those awards, and he is also uh, tied with Merle Haggard for most male, uh, uh, male vocalist of the year awards. So he may not have the number of records sold that George or that Garth has, but he clearly had. I look at it like this: I look at quality over quantity. The uh, the. The company that does uh, the records in terms of count counts how many records are sold in any given year, they've had a terrible time. I'm not saying that George, or I'm not saying that George Strait has sold more records than Garth Brooks, but when you look at the the company that does the the records, they've had terrible problems. Twice in Garth Brooks' career, he's fluctuated above Elvis Presley, and then he came down because they find millions of records that should have been Elvis Presley. So, yes, Garth Brooks has sold more records than George Strait, but it's, there's always a moving target, it seems, with, with that number because they find millions of records over here or they find millions of records over here. So I don't really go by that. I look at quality of songs. When you have a number one hit, that means there is a demand on the radio from the people to hear that song. If people didn't like the song, they, would, they, they wouldn't listen to it, and, they, and there would be no spin on the radio. Number one hits means there's demand for it. People like it. He has 60 of those. And I know that Garth went on his little hiatus for, for a decade, and I respect that. But does it make up for the fact that he has three times as many number one hits as Garth? And that is the main thing I want you to uh, look at tonight. Can I throw a rebuttal? Absolutely. All right, here's my rebuttal. You want to say, oh, quality over quantity, yet you just talked about him and George Strait. Oh, he's got just as many gold albums as the Beatles. How many studio albums did George Strait put out? He had uh, 29. Garth put out 11 and has sold more records than George Strait. Don't preach to me quality over quantity when he's got 29 freaking albums out there and Garth has 11, one of which, Gunslinger, sucked and hasn't sold that many. <laughs> Ten albums basically Perfect. make up those numbers. And, and you want to say the numbers fluctuate? And I agree, they do. But when you're saying 
we don't know who's first between Garth and Elvis. If you're we don't. trying to determine Garth and Elvis, I think Elvis is a pretty high guy to be trying it is to a determine high bar. But I'm saying like that is a moving target, and it's it's weird that they can't come up with a solid figure. And um, also, Elvis has sold a crap ton of albums after he died. <laughs> great business so, decision for him? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if Garth dies, it'll be undisputed because then he'll just – everybody will buy his stuff. Here's a, one more quick rebuttal. Here's what I just can't wrap my head around. In order to buy Andy's argument tonight, you're going to have to say that the greatest of all time, the GOAT, is a man who has put two number one hits out since the Clinton administration. That's what you're going to have to buy tonight if you go with him, is you're going to have to say that the person that's better than George Strait and the, the goat of country music has but, had two number one hits since Bill Clinton was in the Wild House. That's answer, what you're me this, though. answer me this, though. In the last 10 or 15 years, how are number ones calculated? How are number ones calculated? Yeah. Probably by spins on the radio. No. Radio is obsolete now, and you know that. It's determined by downloads. How many Garth Brooks singles can you buy on the download? You can't. You buy the album. Exactly. Because That's why the singles aren't there. He's infatuated to beat the Beatles. And we'll get to that later. All right. I just want to make one quick point, too. Um, just, you know, y'all, it's interesting. Y'all talking about, like, longevity and how – how can somebody be considered like the goat if they weren't around so long? Do you know how, this is just interesting, just a point. Do you know how many seasons Michael Jordan played? 15. Exactly. He played 15 seasons. Do you know how many seasons LeBron is in right now? I think this is his 17th season. So he has already played longer than Jordan and LeBron still has some years left before he hands it over. So just to say, would you say that LeBron's better because he's played longer? Well, if he gets six, if he gets seven championships, he will be. I mean, it's true. He's got, if, if LeBron James, if LeBron James gets if seven gets championships seven, in 20 years and loses in the finals, how many times has he lost in the finals now? Three, four? Championships in the NBA and number one hits can be – they're synonymous. They can be compared to one another. And if he so gets this, seven, he's the go. Wow. You realize you're when we go back to the Brady Manning argument, you're completely contradicting the point you tried to make there. I'm doing hey. the best for my client. <laughs> you know I hope this you're not charging too much. I think there's gonna be a malpractice suit after this. Hey, no, LeBron never mind. Wins. There won't be a malpractice suit because it didn't affect the outcome of the argument. <laughs> wow. That's right. Because All win. right, well, if that about wraps up today's episode. No. By saying that's right, you just agreed with me. Just, just pointing that out. I can rest my case, and I haven't even got to my biggest point seven yet. Seven championships, better than six. That's why I was, if it gets a seven, he's a go. You tell me Brad Johnson's better than Dan Marino? He had more championships. Yes, he went to Florida State. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Elrod. Right. I am extremely, extremely, extremely 
interested to see how you spin this next topic here. Oh gosh. He's just gonna stand there. Ooh. Oh, and you know what? Garth even says that he would he would do anything in the world if he could captivate an audience and not run around the stage and just stand there like George Strait. I mean, he even says that. Your boy says that. But he wishes he could do what George Strait does. But he knows his strengths. But what? you you take your turn. I'm, I'll wait mine. All right. I think we all know that a big part of being an artist in the music industry is to go on tour, meet your fans, play in front of your fans. Elrod, I want you to start us off and tell me what makes a George Strait concert so special. Well, when you think of George Strait, you think of a guy, you think of the cowboy hat, the Wrangler jeans, the cowboy boots, you think of the long sleeve shirt. You, you think of him up there, he can captivate an audience and just stand up there for three hours and just play hit after hit. I mean, you could go to, I don't know, 10 to 15 George Strait concerts and still not see all his number one hits. It's better yet, the other ones that were not number ones. When you go to a George Strait concert, I'll, I'll preface by saying I've never been to a George Strait concert. I've, I've read about him. I've been to a bunch of Garth Brooks concerts. He puts on a heck of a show. He probably is pound for, pound for pound the greatest entertainer on the stage of all time. I'm not doubting that. I, I, no objection. But, no objection. But the but is this. Garth has to work at it. I mean, by the end of the night, I don't see how the guy can even stand up. All the antics he has to do, run around the stage. George Strait doesn't do that. And from all from all looks of it, he still caps, captivates the audience. And it, he just has his own his own standard, his own way of doing things. It just comes natural to him. I, I didn't get a reaction from him. I, I'm kind of disappointed. Um, but in terms of probably the best show or the biggest show that he ever put on would have been his um, his last concert that he had in the AT&T uh, Stadium, Jerry World in Texas. Uh, to this day, it, it, it holds the record in North America for most people for an indoor concert, 104,000, nearly 105. Um, This is a tough category because George Strait isn't going to play Central Park in New York. That's just not his MO. He isn't going to go out here in the old Texas stadium and fly around on a bunch of cords and a bunch of strings and, and cheat death. He ain't going to do that. Andy's caught maybe do that, but he's not. George Strait was famous for 20 years for going to the Astrodome and playing the rodeo. So that really became his, his deal, his Bonnaroo. He, he used to go to the Astrodome and play the rodeo. He did that for 20 years. And he would play for three hours. He would play his hits. It's just him up there on a guitar and his band in the background. It's been with him since day one. And it's a great show. He, there's always a sellout. But you're not going to see the annex. You're not going to see the, the pyrotechnics. You're not going to see the man running around the stage like Garth Brooks. You're just not going to see that. He has his own style. So that would be a George Strait concert. All right, Mr. Rutt. I think all of us have been to a Garth Brooks concert. But for those few who haven't, tell us a little bit about a Garth Brooks concert. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm going to concede a point to Mr. Elrod right here. One, one point. Because I, I said at the beginning, I'm not going to bash George Strait. I'll bash Elrod, but I won't bash George Strait. Um, George Strait, technically, in a technical sense, is a better singer than Garth Brooks. No objection. George Strait can can captivate. I have been to one of Mr. Elrod's clients' concerts. George Strait stood at the microphone with a guitar for two hours, and it was a fantastic show. The music is all he needs. That's great. Some folks are, are given talents and abilities and gifts that other people do not have. Garth Brooks has said he wished that he could do that. But you know, in, in anything we do, we do the best with what we have. And Garth Brooks is the hardest working entertainer that you are ever going to see. And I said the big draw of Garth Brooks was that he took country that had a lot of artists who, quote unquote, not to bash it all, just to point it out, just stood there. And I don't mean that as a letdown. If you can stand there and sell out uh, arenas, good for you. Uh, work smarter, not harder if you've got the gifts. Um, but Garth Brooks, did he loved country music growing up. George Strait was an idol, but that wasn't his only idol. He loved James Taylor, who, again, is not a wild antics guy. But he also loved Freddie Mercury. People, he loved Billy Joel. He loved Elton John. Guys that put on a show, and he wanted to bring that rock concert feel to a country music show. And he perfected it unlike anybody else has ever done. When Garth took off, from Jump Street in 1990 and 1991, he was such a phenomenon that NBC came to him and said, we're seeing all different kinds of people, not just country music fans, but people from all walks of life at your concerts. That's a TV special, and that's what it turned out to be. My personal profession, my love of Garth Brooks grew from This Is Garth the NBC special that came out in 1991. I remember sitting around, I had it recorded on a VHS tape and I wore that tape out. Two years later, this is Garth 2, the second NBC special. That had never happened. His shows were so wild, so energetic. He's hanging on a rope. He's smashing guitars against Ty England's guitar, uh, his guitarist at the time. He put on more than a show it was an experience and that's something that he's added on and is still doing to this day uh, 1997 central park new york garth brooks on an hbo special the the attendance is kind of wonky some people claim there were over a million people there some claim it was more like 
750, 800,000, but kind of the general consensus is that there were 980,000 people, if not a million, close to a million people in Central Park, and there were 14.6 million people that watched it at home in 1997 when not everybody had HBO. Hey, time out, time out. Is Donald Trump doing the count of these people? If he did, it was, there'd be four million. But um, it was a great concert. I promise you, it was a great concert. Very, very, very large. Regardless, hun- literally, undeniably, hundreds of thousands of people. And you know, past that first 100,000 people, you couldn't see anything. I, I'm guessing, uh, but they were there for that experience. Gar's last tour before he retired. Uh, from 96 to 98 was the third most attended tour of all time. And even in retirement, he had eight sold out shows in Kansas city because the sprint center was opening, uh, the new state, the new arena in Kansas city. And they asked Garth to do a show. He said, sure, I'll do a show. It sold out so quick. He added a second. It sold out so quick. He added a third. He did eight shows in Kansas city when he hadn't been on a stage in eight years. Um, Nashville flood relief shows sold out nine shows sold over 150,000 tickets six of those were mine Um, and me and then the comeback tour the comeback tour that started in 2016 Garth announces Chicago Illinois is going to be the first stop I myself and Mr. Mullinax, who I shouted out earlier, said to each other, wherever it is, the first show back, we're going. Comes out at Chicago, Illinois. Sweet. We're going to Chicago. We had that thought, and so did 300,000 people. And because the first show showed out, the first show sold out in seconds, he added another and another and another. His comeback tour broke Ticketmaster on multiple occasions. Uh, Ticketmaster tour or site just crashed. It's the highest grossing country tour of all time with tickets only being sixty dollars. Um, find another concert that you can get a sixty dollar seat and not sit in the nosebleeds. It was $60 no matter where you sat, and it was the highest growing country tour of all time, and it was also the most shows in one tour because Garth Brooks is a man of the people, entertaining the people, and will continue to add shows until the demand is gone. Uh, 390 shows in one tour, 6.4 million tickets sold, the most of any North American track. And then he's currently, it's on hiatus due to stupid COVID-19, but in the middle of a stadium tour where as of to date, he has sold out 17 stadiums without a single ticket that's gone unpurchased uh, for any of these stadium shows. And anybody that's ever been to these shows, it's an experience unlike any other. It's a rock concert with country music. Uh, it's about the fans. He's going to keep putting them on. And, and his entire encore is dedicated to what the fans want to hear. He has what he does house cleaning where people bring signs. And whatever song is on those signs, whether it's his song or not, that's his encore. It's an experience. 
nobody does a concert like Garth Brooks does a concert. His album sales, fantastic. His awards and achievements, fantastic. But Garth Brooks and everything he is about is being that entertainer on the stage. Um, and, and the millions and millions and millions of tickets sold and accounts from everybody I've ever heard of other than your wife, apparently, Bennett, um, <laughs> will agree that he's the greatest entertainer there is. Did you like how he built this category into this show tonight? Did you like that? I like it. I noticed that. Great. Great. I wish you I know. could stack that clock. I put number one <laughs> hits into the dadgum format for you. Great. Got to have an ace in the hole, right? You got to have an ace in the hole. I'll tell you what. I, I appreciate both of them. They have different styles. You know, whenever you're – I mean, I haven't been to a George Strait concert, but just for him to stand up there or sit on a stool and just play hit after hit after hit, that's his style. That's what he's going to do. And I respect that. That's all he has to do. He doesn't owe it anything else to the people, the way I feel. And Garth will give you that too. But whenever you leave a Garth concert, you're like, that man did everything physically possible to make sure but I was entertained and I had a good time. So it's different styles, but I totally respect both different styles they have, though. Did you ever leave a Garth Brooks concert disappointed, Andy? Nope. Been 20 of them. Never once disappointed. Not None just of those bit. 20 have been the same. And that's, that's part of my later argument. I'll shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, there's no doubt that both of these guys have enjoyed brilliant, brilliant careers and they've influenced many different artists that wanted to follow in their footsteps. So, Rod, I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about the legacy or maybe the impact that Garth has had on the country music industry. I think the impact that Garth Brooks has had on music as a whole, not just country music. Garth Brooks is one of, if not the most unselfish entertainers to ever grace the planet. Um, up and before his retirement, that that last tour he did, uh, well, that was the third most attended of all time. The tickets for that tour were twenty dollars because he said that's what he charged when he started and he wasn't any better then than what he started. Uh, the show in Kansas City I went to, all those flood relief shows, tickets were $20. Now when he's come back for these last two tours, um, they've been 60, but obviously the concert landscape has changed and he fought for those tickets to be $20 but promoters and Ticketmaster and everybody else said that he's basically going to lose X amount of money if he only does $20 tickets in today's day and age. So he did $60 tickets, which still in a day and age where it is not uncommon to pay two or $300 for a good seat at a concert, $60 is still unheard of. His merchandise, even on these tours, his t-shirts, $20. 
and don't get me wrong, another show for another day. You know, I love Kiss. I love, I love the entertaining bands live. But if you go to a Kiss show and you're going to buy a T-shirt, you're spending fifty or sixty dollars, and that's ridiculous. And that's more the norm now. Garth shirts still twenty dollars. Um, Garth gained a reputation back when he first started at the height of everything. Uh, when he would work CMA Fest in 91, 92, he would be there all night to sign every autograph for everybody that wanted one and would literally sit there for hours and hours and hours after CMA Fest had, had technically closed down back when they had it at the fairgrounds before they moved it downtown. He's about the fans. He wants everybody that comes to his show to be entertained. Even if you're at a stadium show in the top row at the very back, as far away from the stage as possible, he wants you to have a good time and will do whatever he can to make sure you are. And as much as he loves his fans, he's a family guy more than he's for the fans. This guy was at the height of his career was a superstar across all genres of music and went home to raise his kids because he realized he wasn't spending enough time with his kids. And he went home for 15 years until his youngest daughter turned 18 and went to college. And that's when he decided to come back. He literally left millions and millions and millions of dollars on the table to go take care of his kids. He's the most unselfish, genuine human being of an entertainer that sure, he likes making money, he likes playing music, but if you are there to support him as a fan, he wants you to get more than your money's worth and the fans come second to his own kids. All that before himself. He's as unselfish as he could be, but like I said, I've been to 20 shows. All of them are different. All of them, because he plays to the fans, to what they want to hear. And every crowd uh, is going to be different. I've never left a Gar show uh, disappointed, let down. Uh, Some are better than others. But even those that aren't as good are still better than any concert from anybody else. There have been great people in the music world as far as an entertainment aspect. Michael Jackson was a fantastic entertainer. Freddie Mercury, a fantastic entertainer. But I know people that weren't country music fans at all, weren't fans of Garth Brooks, who have had an amazing time at a Garth Brooks concert because he is, in my opinion, but in the opinions of a lot of others, the greatest entertainer of all time and what he may not have in the skill set that a George Strait has as far as technically with his voice, he more than makes up for in his effort. He definitely gets the most out of what he has, and he doesn't do it just for himself. Uh, he does it for his fans. He's the greatest entertainer to ever grace the earth. That's his legacy. Unselfish, fantastic entertainer. Tell me a little bit about George Strait's legacy. Well, just piggyback off what he just said. I like 
uh, Garth Brooks for the fact of his holy war against Ticketmaster and and ticket scalpers is what I meant. Uh, him adding shows. Uh, I wish more art, more country acts and other acts would do that, especially in the sports arena. Like it's it it's outrageous what these ticket scalpers do. But when you look at George Strait, when you look at the success that Garth Brooks had in the late 80s, early 90s, and then on his reunion tour, here's what you're going to have to realize, Ben. You don't get any of that without what George Strait did in the early 80s in terms of bringing uh, traditional country music back. There was a time when this, the crown of a steel guitar, the, the banjo, the fiddle, they were about to be totally scrapped. It was about to be, currently, country music is about where it was in the early 80s. You don't see a steel guitar right now. It's it's garbage, if you want to get down to it. Thank God Garth Brooks is out there right now, because if it wasn't for him playing shows, country music would be essentially where country music was back in the early 80s. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, George Jones, and we're all getting older. Country music people wanted to sell more albums, and they thought the only way they could do this was to get rid of the old stuff. George Strait brought the old stuff into the 80s and made it cool. And it was essentially the same thing with a new face. He brought the steel guitar back. If you look at the people in the 90s, in the later 80s, or, or, and also the 90s, that claim that they were influenced by George Strait, let's just see if you recognize some of these names. Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, Martina McBride, Miranda Lambert, Blake Shelton, Toby Keith, Dirk Bentley. They all credit George Strait in some way, shape, or fashion into motivating them to be country music stars. You take George Strait out of the equation, what would the 90s be? Do we even have Garth Brooks? I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not in the way that we know him today. So we don't even see Garth Brooks if it wasn't for George Strait. You don't see Alan Jackson. You don't see these stars come to fruition. You'd see this poppy crap that we're having right now in the 90s. We don't have the glory days. The glory days of country music, at least in my opinion, are the 90s. Some people might say it was earlier on with Johnny Cash and that crowd, but I love 90s country. I don't think you get 90s country without the groundwork and the impact that George Strait had. Just for example, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Kenny Chesney, George Strait gave them their start on his tour, the George Strait Country Music Festival. That was their first act. The first time they were brought onto the national stage was directly related to George Strait. Now, there's a flip side of this. He was also the first person in country music to take a 17-year-old Taylor Swift out on tour. Now, some, you can make the argument that he destroyed country music by, by doing that, but I, Taylor Swift, young Taylor Swift, was a great country artist. Now, not so much. But he certainly had an eye for talent, uh, letting Tim McGraw and those people come on tour with him. And the influence that he had, we're still feeling it today. I mean, George Strait had a, uh, a quote a while back in a newspaper. It kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. But he made the comment that, he hates today's music. He's not a fan of it. The only female artist that he likes is Casey Musgraves. Uh, George Strait does not do many interviews. He's very protective. 
he, he had a, uh, a young daughter that died at age 13 in a car wreck. And that was back in the, uh, I believe, the late 80s. And since then, he's very reluctant to do media interviews, things of that nature. He just wants to be at peace on his cattle ranch and, and churn out number one hits. That's what he wants to do. Uh, and he wants to wear his Wrangler jeans, his cowboy hat, and his cowboy boots. But all that to say this, if it wasn't for George Strait and Alabama, I'll throw Alabama in there as well. You don't have Garth Brooks. We're not sitting here today having this debate. In order to be the GOAT, without George Strait, we're not having this debate, Bennett. We're not having this discussion. George Strait was the big bang for 80s country and 90s country. And that will always be his legacy. All right. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to say, but I think he's going to keep it in. Is anything controversial there, did I? I don't agree with it because, well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, don't get me wrong. George Strait was a huge influence of Garth Brooks, but Garth Brooks was also a big fan of those guys. He yeah. talks about growing up with his dad, Haggard Jones. Um, and that's the same. Don't get me wrong. George Strait made it where he could do it again. Um, but those were still his influences, along with the James Taylors, the Billy Joels, the Bob Seegers. I do think we still have Garth Brooks. Maybe not the exact same. Um, but to say that we don't have Garth at all, or we have a Garth that's completely different, I, I think that's true. I, I think if we do have Garth Brooks, it's more in the pop arena. I don't think we have much too young to fill this damn old. We don't have that. We don't, we don't have any of those traditional sounding Garth Brooks songs. We don't have the, the, the really good ones without I think, I think we have them. I don't know if they were as successful as they ended up being. I think we still have them. But who knows? Okay, go ahead, B. I'm gonna let y'all guys give your closing arguments. But first, before I do that, I got a question for each of y'all. They're different questions. I'm gonna start with you, Elrod. Okay. Now, to the best of my knowledge, George throughout his career mainly used a songwriter or songwriters for his music, especially like during his peak when he was at his most successful. Mm -hmm. um, and by comparison, Garth, yeah, he did use, or still, or maybe still does use songwriters, but he has either wrote or had a hand in writing some of his absolute biggest hits. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this would be a knock on George? think so i mean each artist has its some artists are really good songwriters the best songwriters that you see out there sometimes never make it as a performer on the flip side of that some of the best performers are not very good writers uh george Strait has talked about in multiple articles about how you know songwriting is not his forte he was never a very good writer he's a very good performer uh he is very good he has a lot of control over his songs in terms of i mean he's been very good at picking them out i would say with his 60 number one hits yeah. he's been very good at picking them out but in terms of writing a song he even admits it's not his forte but it really hasn't uh been a detriment to him 
in terms of the, the songs he's put out. Okay, fair enough. It's what I need to hear. Uh, Ruts, for you. In the 90s, which I think y'all talked about this a little bit, so I'm going to kind of cut this a little bit shorter. But in the 90s, we saw a surge of that country pop that y'all talked about. And Garth is kind of lumped in there into that country pop genre. And he benefited greatly from that country pop that was going on. I think he had hits that were in the Billboard uh, Top 200 for Adult Contemporary. And he was having songs that was popping up on the Top 40 radio stations, which are usually, you know, pop songs. That's a pop radio station. I say that so this, do you think that that kind of crossover country pop style kind of helped inflate like his record sale numbers? And maybe that kind of gave him an edge over some of these other artists that like to keep it old school and just for plain old country. I mean, absolutely. It would be stupid to say not because by, by doing that crossover shows you one thing that he's appealing than to more people than just this one group of people. Like I said at the outset, he transcended country music. He was, Garth was, whether you like classic rock, whether you like pop, whether you like country, there was a time in the 90s that dang near everybody liked Garth Brooks. So by that crossover into that market, I mean, it would be stupid to say, oh, no, it just, no, that didn't have anything to do with it. It had everything to do with it. He appealed. Like I said, he transcended it. He appealed to more than one group of people. And when you're appealing to multiple groups of people instead of just one, uh, then obviously you're getting album sales from multiple groups of people instead of just one. It absolutely inflated it. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I see that as Garth Brooks is so good that he appeals to so many people. Um, that so many people from all walks of life, all musical tastes, uh, like Garth Brooks, whether they like country or not, they like Garth Brooks. That's fair. All right. So, Red, I think you won the, uh, what do we have? The, the coin toss, I guess you could call it, the question. So, I'm going to let you pick if you want to start us off or if you want to finish with your closing argument well you know i want the last word so i'll, I'll let elrod go first he wants to go all right and trash all right. that's what he wants to do let's <laughs> hear it give me that closing argument convince me here bennett you like i said in the opening you strike me as someone that's reasonable and it's logical <laughs> don't prove me wrong here <laughs> In order to choose Garth Brooks over George Strait, you're going to make some choices right now. You're going to make some assumptions. The first thing you're going to have to do is to say that, you know, longevity in a musical career doesn't matter. You know, I don't fault Garth Brooks for going home and being with his family. But if you're if you want to be the best, you got to be on the road. And you got to 
you can't have any interruptions, especially a decade, nearly a decade and a half at the house. Uh, it's admirable what he did to his family, but George Strait was still on the road when, when Garth Brooks went home. He came in before Garth Brooks, and for the better part of the 2000s, he was still on the road when Garth Brooks was at the house. Second assumption that you're going to have to make, or the second thing you're going to have to reject, is you're going to have to reject the idea that number one hits matter. The, the, as Andy said earlier, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie with the amount of number one hits that George Strait uh, has put on the table. And you know what? Garth Brooks could have had 100 number one hits. We don't know because he went to the house. And I'm not going to sit here and say he had other motives for going to the house. I mean, he had a rough – I don't think there's any argument here. The late 90s were pretty rough on Garth. He had a divorce uh, with his first wife that was going on about the same time. He was still kind of hurt over the Chris Gaines thing. It put a bad taste in his mouth. And I'm not here to trash him. That was took a lot of guts to do what he did, to go a totally different way. But you had the Chris Gaines debacle. Then you had the, the divorce with his wife. Uh, then you have the Scarecrow album, which did not perform very well. So the late 90s were not very kind to Garth. George Strait's still rolling during this time. He becomes the artist of the decade in the 2000s. Now, would had Garth been the artist of the decade in, in the 2000s? We don't know. But we cannot judge this on we don't knows. We don't knows. What I said earlier, George Strait saved traditional country music. And I put Garth in this category. He, he's a traditional country music artist. He has some aspects of pop to his repertoire, but he is a traditional country music artist. I don't, Andy's convinced that we would have Garth at some level. I mean, if you watch the documentary, Garth is going down the roads outside of Stillwater and he hears Unwound and he says immediately, I want to be George Strait. That's who I want to be. That's who I aspire to be. Um, do we have him without, we don't know. The numbers don't lie. The longevity, the consistency, the, the fact that if you have a George Strait album and you don't have three number one hits off that album it's, and it's a failure, that is an insane bar to accustom to, to to any artist to say, if I don't have three number one hits on an album, it's a failure. How many artists can say, can be judged by that insane bar? George Strait, that was his bar. Three number one hits at least on every album. He was obsessed with it. We, If you're going to judge this on who's a better entertainer, Garth wins. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're going to say who is the better entertainer, Garth Brooks wins. If you're going to judge this on, well, who sold more albums, Garth Brooks wins. But if you look at the totality of the circumstances, the totality, I know Dandy loves that one. If you look at the totality of everything, albums, hits, performer, consistency, longevity. George Strait wins every time. And I told you I would not crap on Garth Brooks. I love the man. I, I, had, I bought every cassette tape that he had in the 90s. But here is one thing I want to point out. We may say that he uh, is for the people, and he probably is. But there is a other side of this, too. He is obsessed 
this is this is my evaluation. This is also some other people's evaluation too. He is obsessed with overtaking Elvis Presley, even, even though he says he's not. He's obsessed with overtaking Elvis and eventually the Beatles. He wants to be, and if you're in that position, you've got to have a huge ego. You, it's even George Strait has an ego, but he's obsessed with overtaking the Beatles in terms of Elvis. And here's how he's doing it, right here. I'm a sucker. I bought this at Target. I think it was last year. Was this last year's set? You know, two years ago actually. Two years ago. Okay. So if you open up this box set around here, let's see how many we got here. One, two, three, four, five. There's six. Six CDs in this box set. When someone buys this box set on this RIAA database, it counts as six CDs sold. So he is trying to catch up with the Beatles trying to overtake Elvis by really stacking the deck, kind of like Annie did with our format tonight. He's trying, <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding, gosh, sort of. You can't judge this by a number of albums sold, because if you do, uh, Garth wins. You gotta look at the entire picture. If you look at number of albums sold, consistency, you look at everything, it's clear. 31 years in the business, 60 number one hits, the influences that he had. Now, he did have one box set, but he, he didn't have this mess right here. This is kind of a mess. He didn't have that. When you make the decision tonight, we touched on this earlier. Now, he had his little smart aleck little thing, but I'm here to tell you this. Do you love me, Bennett? Do you want to be my friend? Don't be scared. I think that's how the lyrics go, at least. Oh. Heck yes. Don't, yeah, it's no, let's not even worry about the no here. Just rip it out. The no box is so small. There you go. You gotta check oh, it's yes. Gone. Okay? That's your only option right here. You gotta check yes. Wow. <sighs> oh my goodness. All right, Rudd, bring us home. Uh, all right. If I'm not mistaken, gunslingers in that box set, isn't it? Uh, oh no, yeah, it is actually. It's buried in here. Yeah. It is. Where's never... gunslinger on his album sold? Pretty dang low. Has the box set theory added a few? Yeah, but it, according to to your theory there, he gets a sale for every. He gets a sale on gunslinger every time that box set is sold. But um, Gunslinger is, is his least performing album that's worth a flip. But speaking of album performance, you said Scarecrow did awful. In terms of like the number one hits, like like commercial it was the number one album, and it was five times platinum. How I would have to hits? see it if it was good. How many number one hits? Okay, he didn't fart into the microphone quite as well as George Strait did. Here's here's my thing, Bennett. You were a fan, maybe not as much now, but but classic. We're growing up the NBA, correct? Oh yeah. Who's a better three point shooter, Reggie Miller or Michael Jordan? No, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller is. He hit more three pointers than anybody ever. Does that make him a better basketball player than Michael Jordan? 
because you know totality of everything. I'm going to say Jordan edges him out there. Reggie Miller's three, the, the amount of three-pointers Reggie Miller hit in his career is extremely impressive. The amount of years Reggie Miller played, he played more years than Michael Jordan did. Longevity there. But there's no question who the better player was, and that's MJ. Did George Strait have more number one hits? Absolutely. Yes, he did. Did George Strait have a longer career longevity-wise? Absolutely. But much like Reggie Miller, to... Maybe this is not the best example, but it's up there. You can't take that he had one thing that he was a lot better at and he did the whole thing longer and say that he's the better player. How do you want to judge what makes a good career? Do you want to judge what makes a good career by what the DJs think when they play the album? Because a lot of those number ones, they're great songs and they're, they're by the demand of the listenership. But a lot of those, especially in the late 80s and early 90s, number ones were determined by DJs around the country because it was radio clubs. Um, but who other than the fans determines album sales? Who other than the fans determine concert sales? I mean, maybe maybe Ticketmaster, maybe somebody wanted to go see George Strait and the ticket was $400. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think George was that had that kind of price range, but I don't think George was selling $20 tickets uh, through 2015 and then upped them to $60. i am sure you could get a, a, a cheap seat for that amount, but not every seat in the arena. Here, Here's my thing. If you want to judge it based on number one hits, absolutely give it to Elroy. If you want to judge it based on pure vocal talent, give it to George Strait. That's fine. But if you want to judge it based on somebody taking everything that they that, that God gave them, their God-given gifts, and getting every single thing they could get out of that, and not worrying about how much money they were going to make. They knew they were going to make a good amount of money. Sure. But making sure that the person that paid him that money got more than they paid for, so that person might come back again. Here's the thing. Both of you know, the people we know that watch this will know, but there are we had 8,000 views on our last video. There are people that watch this that have no idea who we are. I'm a concert snob. I've been to hundreds of concerts. Myself and Mr. Bennett used to work at a concert venue in Nashville. We got paid to watch concerts. I've been to a bunch of them. I've seen a bunch of them. And there have been times that I didn't really want to go to a concert because I had seen that person before. And it was a good show, but I didn't really care to see it again. I'm a concert snob. I've seen Garth Brooks 20 times. I've seen Garth Brooks in six different cities. I've driven to Kansas City to see Garth Brooks. I've driven to Chicago to see Garth Brooks. I, a 
blue and orange bleeding devoted Florida Gator fan went to Knoxville and sat in Knoxville on Tennessee's campus twice. To Hold see on. Time out. Time, out. Time out. I got a question. Have you seen him in Memphis? Thank you, Dean Coke. Um, that was to Dean Coke and to you for being a douchebag. Um, I was supposed to. And because I didn't bow down to me, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have got that ticket to go. So, I mean, we're going back to that argument. Here's the thing. I'm a concert snob. I've seen him 20 times. I've never seen anybody else more than seven. And that was Kiss, somebody else who's high on my list. Other than that, I haven't seen anybody, even the big people I really like more than two or three times. I've seen him 20 times. And you know what? I'll go see him every other chance that I can. Because I'm not going to leave disappointed. I, I, I'm a grown man. I have his concerts have hit me in certain ways. I've laughed. I've cried. Literally, I've danced with an 80-year-old woman. Literally, ask Josh Molinax about it. True story. Sober, everybody involved. It's just you get caught up in it. It's not a concert. It's an experience. It's a connection. And at the end of the day, as an artist, you want a connection. George Strait is royalty. George Strait can connect with people without moving, just strumming his guitar and standing there singing. But there's nobody, nobody that connects with an audience and entertains and pleases those people that support him more than the GOAT. That's why Garth Brooks is the greatest entertainer, not just in country music, to ever grace a stage. And as Garth will do at the end of his infamous uh, Friends in Low Places, when it's over, mic drop. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I should win just wow. because of that mess. Bravo to both of you guys, though. This, I kind of had an idea, you know, going into it. Not really had a winner in mind by no means, but I had somebody that I thought was the better, just, just from looking at it on paper. Whenever you look at these two guys, it's... You know, it's hard to look past somebody that has 60 number one hits. Somebody that Garth wanted to emulate and be like. And somebody that has that longevity, like you said. I'm a sucker for that. So, I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe, maybe George Strait's got this. But then, Rudd mentioned some of the stuff about how he, he performs. Maybe he's not as inclined in sense of vocals, but like you said, he makes up for it with giving every ounce that he's got to make sure that his music comes across and touches somebody in a certain way. And 
the record, you know, the records that he sold, it's hard to go against the numbers, even how, no matter how you stack them up. Obviously, that fans love him, and he loves his fans. So, I have to go back and forth that, too. This is tough. But, this might be an unpopular opinion. Don't kill me. But, for me, when it comes to George Strait, it's time for that cowboy to ride away. Oh, <laughs> when you look at Garth, he's just, he's more of a total package. I see George Strait and he, don't, don't get me wrong, I love George Strait. Actually, probably, if I'm listening to these two guys, I probably enjoy his songs better. But I had to kind of push that away and just look at it from the outside in. Garth is more of a total package. I feel like George, you know, he's great, and he means a lot to country music, don't get me wrong. Um, he probably did kind of save him in the 80s, but then Garth kind of saved him in the 90s, too. He kind of came right behind him and everything that he did in the 90s. And for me, too, he means kind of something different to each people. Maybe what Garth means to Rutt might not what Garth means to me, might not be what Garth means to Elrod. But all three of us, he means something to all of us. And body that just hates Garth Brooks. It's, it's practically un-American. So, that being said, Mr. Rutherford, mm. you have convinced me. Uh, hey, uh, hey, time out real quick. Time out. Can I say something? Can the leisure say something? Sure. I'm going to build me a time machine tonight. Go back to 1985-1990 and convince George Strait to uh, cheat on Norma with Martina, not Martina McBride, but Reba McIntyre, and go to Texas and be with his kids for 15 years, and maybe we have a different outcome next time. Are you suggesting Garth cheated on his wife with Trisha? Maybe. Can I can I ask for your proof of that? I'm just saying. I'm just or, saying. Just saying. Because that's never even been accused. But I'll say this. I'll say this. Elrod, I'm sorry that tonight your prayers went unanswered. <laughs> and I know it hurts, but it was for the good of the show. Mm. And for the good of the show, I will say this. You could have missed the pain, <laughs> but you'd have had to miss the dance. I, I got to go now. But I can, might still make Cheyenne. They're like the king of the dance now. I got right friends now, in low places. Make... I got friends in low places, and you're even under them with your record on the show. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about friends in low places. Yeah, I should win because of that, right? I mean, I always get crucified on this show because I leave stuff out. He leaves out friends in low places, and he wins. Listen to this. Just hit because me. a, I didn't need it. B, as a Garth Brooks snob, don't get me wrong, it's fun live. It's not one of my favorite Garth songs. Uh, granted, fun fact for the listener here that Bennett knew, I don't know if Elrod knew, true story though, 
a young Andy Rutherford at, at a ripe young age uh, of three-ish, four-ish, knew the lyrics to Friends in Low Places before I completely mastered my ABCs. And that is a true story. Mm. Therefore, I was born to win this argument, and I did. I don't have to retire. Um, the show can go on. That's okay. That's okay. You'll win one one day, Elrod. I won this one. Happen. <laughs> In my yeah. mind, I won it. I, I am protesting this result tonight. Protest. Well, I'd love to make you feel my love, but uh, <laughs> I have none for you. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'll say this. Adele's to make you to make me feel my love better than Garth's. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You realize I almost broke up with a girlfriend when that song came out, right? Because she didn't appreciate my opinion of telling her how awful that version of the song was compared to Garth's. Another I can't remember that. No, we promised yeah, to keep probably. this short, but we're we 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 two up. hours now. Yeah, two we hours? need to shut up. Nobody's going to listen to this. But uh, <laughs> if you have stuck around this long, we truly do appreciate it. Uh, be sure, go check out the podcast, get our numbers up, subscribe, like us, rate us, leave us a five star review. If you think we deserve it, if you don't, do it anyway. Uh, make sure you play, play the first. Few minutes of the audio. Uh, there's a little ad at the beginning. Check out the ad. It gives us a play, uh, makes our sponsor happy, gives us more sponsors. Um, go check out the YouTube channel. The same there. And of course, every Tuesday night, we're right here. Gentlemen, you got any parting words? Oh, maybe I can make Amarillo by morning. I don't know. What we'll to see? I say this just about every podcast, but this one was one of my favorites. And you know why? This said Garth. This said George Strait. This had two Forrest Gump references. This had a baseball reference. This had multiple NBA references. This was like the complete show, guys. You know, if I knew this is going to be a Michael Jordan LeBron thing, I would have prepared a little bit better, you know? You know? Yeah, because all your arguments went to LeBron. <laughs> Save it for another podcast. Never would have equated George Strait with LeBron James, but I had enough. Yes. I like you too, Aaron. To tell you the <laughs> truth, this isn't your show after all. All right, guys. We will see you guys next week with whatever topic it may be. Pay attention to the socials. We'll let you know there. Follow us on the socials. Check out the podcast. Uh, for Mr. Bennett, for Mr. O'Rod, I am your winner once again, uh, Andy Rutherford, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.